Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Last week, we kicked off a series called If My People, all right? And it's funny, I don't do a ton of expository preaching. Uh, I mostly do topical, and we'll do series and different things. My heart flows with identity. My heart flows for the Father's heart, for sonship, for family, uh, for our transformation in Christ, encounters in his presence, worship. Those, those are some of the things that are like just, just dear to my heart. But I really felt this as I, as I went into 2 Chronicles 7.14. So last week I kicked off an expository series on simply one verse for at least five or six weeks on 2 Chronicles 7.14. So last week, if you missed it, get on Vimeo, get on podcast, get it. Uh, because I started with, I feel the foundation of the verse is if my people who are called by my name. So last week, now, now today we're going to go into the first instruction from the Lord to the Israelites through Solomon. So I gave the history lesson about this context, and, and here's the thing. This is a recipe. This is the if-then statement of the Old Testament, the most referenced verse in the Old Testament in culture today. So if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will seek my face and pray, right, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That's 2 Chronicles 7.14. So, so here's the deal. Here's the recipe. Now, now we put this in context because the verse before, in, in around verses 11 or so, it says that Solomon, that he successfully accomplished his household and the household of the Lord. So I, I, I started off last week saying, what does it look like to give our house and God's house unto the Lord? God shows up. It's amazing that when we give our house unto the Lord, and as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, right? So as we give our house, our, our, our literal like family house, and the house of the Lord, his bride, his church, if we give it unto the Lord, God shows up. And that's exactly what happened. It says he gave the house unto the Lord, he accomplished it, God shows up for the second time in his life, and, and, and then gives him this verse, and it gives him these promises to the Israelites. I'm just briefly catching you up from last week. Now, now, here's what happens is, so God shows up, and he says, if my people who are called by my name. Now, this is amazing if you take the whole verse and you put it in the context and the paradigm of the Old Testament where they were offering up blood sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. They were going to the high priest, and when on, on the day of atonement, the day they could go into the holiest of holies and offer up a prayer or offer up sacrifices on your behalf. Now, now here is the Lord now showing up to Solomon with instruction to the Israelites in the time of sacrifices, saying, listen, if my people who are called by my name will do this, then I'm going to hear from heaven. I'm going to forgive them. So uh, actually, it was before the cross where God is giving permission to his people to have direct communion with him, direct intimacy with him, and direct communication with him called prayer and seeking his face. So it's this, it's this shift of a paradigm. And so here's where we come into it. So last week we, we focused on the, the foundational piece, if my people who are called by my name. So we got rid of lies of inferiority. We got rid of, rid of lies of insignificance. Like if you're his people called by his name, you are created fearfully and wonderfully in his image. You're his sons. You're his daughters. You're his child. You're his masterpieces. You're his craftsmanship. That's who you are. 
So if we begin to get in our hearts who and whose we are, and we get that truth in our heart, then when the lies come, it's not going to take us off track for who we're not. So we talked about currency, that a bank teller actually studies real currency over and over and over and over and over. People in money, people handling cash, study real currency over and over and over and over. They don't study the counterfeits. But when the counterfeit comes, they're going to know it's a counterfeit because they know the real deal. It's the same thing. When we know who and whose we are, we know the real deal. So then when a counterfeit comes, we're going to know that that's just a lie. So we're raising our daughters to know that they're princesses, to know that they are royalty of God, that they're a royal priesthood. They're called for such a time as this, that they're more than conquerors. They're overcomers, right? And we go through all these promises that the Lord tells us. That way, when the enemy or some naysayer or some person talking bad about us or abandoning us or whatever talks bad against us, we know our foundation is his people being called by his name. We're new creatures in Christ. So now this week, it's now, that's the pillar, that's the foundation, that's the rock in which this stands on. Now the first instruction comes, will humble themselves. So last week, I buttered you up with identity, buttered you up with sonship and being children of God. Now this week, I'm going to step on some toes. We good with that? All right, so 2 Chronicles 7.14 once again says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and that's just the two words we're going to focus on today. Next week, Nicole's going to talk on, uh, will pray and seek my face. All right, and then it says, And then turn from their wicked ways, and that will be Josh Haas, and I will hear from heaven and forgive them and heal their land. So here's where we're going to focus, humble themselves. I want to talk about humility, and I want to talk about, honestly, this was birthed from reading a scripture in Proverbs from the Passion Translation. All right, that's a really amazing translation written by Brian Simmons, who once lived in Tip City. All right, and uh, what happens is he was in a third world nation, an unreached people group, and he was translating the Bible into their language. And he was a missionary for many years, scholar, theologian, very, very wise, brilliant man. And what was happening is then he translated this version to English um, in, in a very heart, the father's heart kind of feel, the poetic feel, the love feel. And, and, but it's this, he, he puts words in our modern English that just grab my attention. And I've learned, I, I grew up in a church that was King James only. But uh, Steve Justice, he leads our Bible study on Wednesday nights here. You're welcome to come at 7 o'clock. And he has a, a divinity, a theological degree, a, ma a, a graduate degree in New Testament Greek translation. He's way smarter than me. He also has a graduate degree in organic chemistry and a graduate degree in law, okay? Very brilliant guy, Steve is. And uh, so anyway, he, he was talking to me about the different translations and the different versions of the Bible. And this is just a fun fact, that King James is actually kind of far removed from the original translations to where one of the actual more, more uh, let me see, accurate translations to original language would be like English Standard Version. It's only once translated from the original languages, Whereas King James, there's a couple things going on with that. It was twice translated, and it was done so long ago that they've also now found, found uh, artifact and found tablets that provide more of the heart of what the message and what the word was and proven that, as well as now we have a modern language that we can do more descriptive words in a translation directly from the original text. Many of us King James people, we didn't know this. So we were reading a twice-translated Bible with words that we sometimes don't even understand, and now there's actually more accurate versions back to the original text. Right? All that to say, 
This Passion Translation is one that I read. I love reading it. It grabs my heart. And I was reading this one day, and, uh, and then Jeremy Riddle posted this scripture. And it says, first, it's Proverbs 6, 16, 1 through 3. It says, go ahead and make all the plans you want. Now, now everybody got their steel-toed boots on? Okay, open your hearts up. Just open your hearts to receive from the Lord. Go ahead and make all the plans you want. But it's the Lord's will who ultimately will direct your steps. We are all in love with our own opinions. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that's so me. We're all in love with our own opinions, convinced they're correct. But the Lord is in the midst of us, testing and probing our every motive. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself, and every plan you will make will succeed. You're all in love with your own opinions, thinking they're all correct. Ugh. I just read that, I was like... Wow, there's this joke, it's like, you know, I'm humble, just ask me, right? Like, everybody thinks they're humble, just ask them. But a few years ago, my wife's like, man, I think you have pride in your heart. I'm like, I don't have pride in my heart. I think you're arrogant. I think you're arrogant at times. You can be perceived as arrogant. I was like, it's not arrogant, I'm confident. And then I had to chew on some humble pie and realize that, yeah, I was actually building pride in my heart and arrogance and all of it. So then I'm reading these scriptures, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really good. So I began to just, just ponder and sit on this. And then a lady at the gym I work out at, she's like, she's, her name's Cheryl. She's an amazing woman of God. She's like, hey, I'm teaching a Bible study on humility. Do you have some scriptures that, that reach you, or do you have some things that, that you could give me? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I send her this, this verse, and I send her a couple others, and I send her 2 Chronicles 7.14. And I'm like, wow. And then that birthed this series. So here's the deal. I want to define humility, and I want to just kind of take you here. Humility, and then the antonym would be pride, all right? And I want to just say there's some things to measure whether or not we have humility in our hearts. First off, ask the person closest to you. <laughs> ask your spouse, am I humble or do I have pride? You know, in those things, because that's what I had to realize. I had to realize that actually Nicole saw pride in myself when I didn't. Because, right, because I'm proud. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Humility, I feel, is the pathway to hunger, I believe that humility, it puts us, back to the original translations of humility in the Old and New Testament, you can use some synonyms such as worship, submission, honor. You know, these are just a few of the words that they would mean in the context when they're written in the word. So, so to honor, to see value. Another one was lowly. Those are the things when we're talking about humility. Humility is not just, it's not this thing we try to go after. Humility actually becomes who we are when we begin to see value and we see the Lord and we see ourselves differently. There's some verses that are going to penetrate, like, our hearts and our minds. Like, what? You know, like the one that says, think of everybody else as better than you. That's one that cuts pretty deep. So, so here we are. So humility is the pathway to hunger. And here's the thing. God never gave us this measuring stick to compare ourselves to others. Let me, let me just tell you this. The danger of comparing yourself to anybody else is the fact that one thing, if you're not good enough, it might lead to apathy and actually giving up because you're just not going to be as good. The other thing is if you measure yourself and you think you're above or you're better or your ways are the best, then what happens is it alleviates, it, it eliminates the, the opportunity for the Lord to work in my life to let me grow. So humility is this doorway, it's this door, it's this key that's unlocking these things that, that create this hunger in me and this honesty within me to realize that I've got so far to go. Like, it, it's this thing to where now it develops this hunger, and now the other thing is I submit to know that I actually need help. 
I submit to know that others are valuable in my life. I submit to know that I'm not above anybody. Listen, the thing about this stage and this platform, it, it doesn't make me better than you because I have a little microphone on my cheek. Like, it doesn't make me better than you that I'm 24 inches higher than you right now. Like, this is my platform that the Lord allowed me to steward on Sundays. But guess what? I get to steward another platform at a fire department through the whole week. Or how about my home as a dad or a husband? I'm allowed to steward and that become a platform. So really, in me, humility is just me being a son and being open to the Lord teaching me things and letting me grow and seeing the value in others and seeing the value in where I'm at. So then what happens is we're all now equal. I just happen to have a microphone today. But guess what, at your workplace tomorrow, as a nurse or as a teacher or as a business owner or a realtor or whatever it might be, now you have a microphone in the platform God's created you. And now we see the value in each other as the kingdom advancing through each one of us. Now that's humility to say, now wow, now I can actually get value from the people that I look up to just because they're not in ministry. Like It takes this whole system, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, let me, let me just keep defining it. Humility actually gets rid of the, the comparison that breeds apathy and frustration. Listen, pride means it's all about you. Pride means you first search out the faults in others before you begin to look at yourself. Humility means I actually look within myself and try to, try to be honest with myself and I get vulnerable with my weaknesses and I get transparent with who I really am before I search out the faults in anybody else. See, see, humility allows me to do a self-examination so that I can grow, so that I can become closer to the Lord, so that I can become closer to each other and with you, right? Whereas pride, it's, it's my world. You're just living in it, right? Pride means, like, it's me. It's, I can do this on my own. Humility allows me to submit to the Father and say, no, I can't lead a church on my own. No, I can't be a good husband on my own. No, I can't be a good father on my own because, because now that thinks it's only within my ability and eventually it's going to fall. Why? Because it's not his plans. But when I build a church, when I build a life, when I build a home and marriage and all these things on the Lord, now suddenly I submit into a sonship realm to where now I'm following and I'm walking with the Lord rather than trying to lead him and invite him in what I'm already doing. There's, there's a difference there. And let me, let me just, just finish it up. Humility opens up the door and the pathway also to transparency, vulnerability, and ultimately authenticity. Nicole, she's sharing up here during transition, and she's saying, listen, I've had a rough week. I've had, we've had some issues going on. There's some, there's some stuff going on, right? So, so what's happening is she's opening up her heart to you in humility, knowing that, there's a, that the Lord wants to heal it, but he's also doing this in somebody else's life. And now we've opened it up for a corporate opportunity that now we get this weight off our shoulders. That's the thing about transparency. I can, I, can, I can sit here. See, there's a difference, though, between transparency and vulnerability. Transparency allows you to see into my life. Vulnerability allows you to actually work in it. That can only happen with humility because I'm, I'm, I'm submitting myself to allow you into my life, to speak life, to make change, to speak some truth to me, to hold me accountable. Those are the things so let's, let's go to a verse here. Philippians 2.3 says this. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm you, harm your cherished unity. Listen, the body needs unity. Last week we talked about a house divided can't stand. So it says this. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Another version says, view everybody else as better than you. 
<laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> it really does. Like, oh, man, everybody knows more than me. Oh, that's a hard reality to actually chew on and swallow and chew that cud and spit it back out because it tastes bad. But then you just swallow it again. Did you know that's what goats do? They, it's called chewing the cud. It's, they actually regurgitate because it's nasty. They chew it again, eat that thing again. That's <laughs> why cows have four stomachs. Sometimes you got to chew on that and be like, yep, I'm not the best at this. I'll be honest, I'm not the best preacher. I'm not the best pastor. But as I said last week, but I said yes. I simply said yes. And I'm humble enough to know now that I'm not the greatest at this, but God. I'm not the greatest husband, but God. I, I had an off day yesterday, just to be really open. I had an off day, just found myself yelling, don't do that often, found myself getting mad, brand new shoes, brand new shoes, I'm out cutting down trees, cut, cut down five trees on our property yesterday, cutting trees, you know, doing man stuff, woman stuff, not, not biased here, <laughs> growing some hair on my chest, all right, <laughs> letting sawdust just rip in my face and all over my pants, don't have the chaps or anything, but anyways, so here's the deal. All of a sudden, I'm on the four-wheeler pulling a trailer full of brush. Chloe comes out, Dad, how much are you going to pay me for the chores today? I was like, well, what did Mom say? She said, ask you. And now I'm like, come on, I'm cutting down trees. I'm doing man stuff. Couldn't she answer the question? <laughs> I look down. Now, we're kind of in a mud pit at the moment, as many of you might be, for how much rain we've gotten. I look down. Now, I've only worn my shoes twice, and I have a process through my through my shoes, okay? I buy exercise shoes. I wear them in public and to preach and just out like for fancy stuff for at least a couple months. Once they start to get some blemishes, then they graduate to become my real workout shoes. Then I work out in them, and then once they graduate to be my mowing shoes, and then I start this cycle. So there's three phases of life in my shoes before death, okay? You're welcome. So what happens is, I look down as she's asking me these questions, and she's just tromped through all the mud to get to me. I look down. She's got my brand new shoes on. Only worn twice out on sunny days on concrete only. <laughs> you got my brand new shoes on! This might be a little exaggerated. I'm like, what do you, what do you think? You're going to get paid nothing if I find any mud on those shoes. Get in the house right now! Kind of looked like that. And then all of a sudden, I get inside. We're hurrying up to get to King and Country concert. I take a shower, and I'm like, and by the way, Nicole, Chloe wore my brand new shoes outside. And I'm like, and they were wrestling in the yard, and Olivia got mad and bit her in the back. <laughs> then, now, it's like, it's like we have the fivefold in our house, because then Evelyn, the pastor, is writing us a note. She's like, I don't like it when you guys yell. Will you please say sorry to each other? I love you, Evelyn. We open this note up in the car. We're like, Nicole's like, sorry. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I'm having a hard time at this very moment why I even told that story. Any idea? Oh, I'm being vulnerable. Yeah, had a bad day yesterday. Real bad day, off day, all right? And now I just was humble and admitted that to you. 
The point of the story was actually, I'm not perfect with, without Jesus. And if I'm not humbling myself to let him be in charge, who cares about the doggone shoes? Half the world doesn't have the right shoes that fit him in, in the first place. And here I am trying to graduate my shoes to be workout shoes. Like, and make them last a very long time. Like, that, that's the thing. And that's, that's, that's kind of just a good story for where we are. We worry about the most insignificant things instead of just surrendering to God to say, yep, it's, it's you. Let, let, let me move on here. So we get to don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. Let me just give you a, a quick modern-day tool to see if self-promotion is lying in our hearts. What does your Instagram feed look like? Does it look like you promoting a ministry? Does it look like you promoting yourself? Does it look like you with just a bunch of selfies when you have kids at home? Like, your Instagram should involve, now, unless you're again, one of those people that are against, like, putting kids on social media. Okay, I get that one. All right? But if it's not, like, why is it not about you and your wife on date night? Why is it not about you and your passions and what you're passionate about or hobbies or just your life or your struggles? Like, if you want to see if somebody's self-promoting, if it's all about them on their Instagram, I've had to unfollow so many ministers on their personal accounts because it's all about them. It's all about them preaching. It's all about them. I'm like, oh, gosh, I can't do this anymore. I love you, but unfollow some of the greatest gifts of my life. Unfollow. Here's the deal. The other thing is to, to allow humility, put in others first, and, and view others as more important yourself. Nicole used to tell me this saying, and it, and it stuck with me. Seek understanding before seeking to be understood. Seek, seek where they're coming from. Seek what, what they're trying to say. Seek where they are in this relationship. Seek where the circumstances before me just trying to be right, trying to be in control, trying to dominate or teach or, or fix something. Sometimes, guys... Let me let you know a little close. Sometimes our wives just need to be listened to. I'll often follow up, do you need me to fix this or do you just want me to listen to your heart right now? It's a great question. As communicators, our culture is supposed to be 60% listeners, 40% communicators. How many know, how many are in, in relationship with somebody that, that's totally opposite? It's like 80-20. It's the 80-20 principle. Wrong principle. So here's the deal. Like, just seek understanding before seeking to be understood. The last thing is this. Humility allows us to see the value in others. Let's go to Romans 12, 3 through 5 and verse 16. i got to hurry up and wrap this up. Romans 12, 3 through 5 says this. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we, are, we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members uh, one another. Now, now listen, here's, here's the thing. Then it goes into the grace gifts and it defines each one of those, which are really fun to read. And then verse 16 says this. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. It's amazing that the people we hold judgments against are some of the greatest world changers. It's amazing that the people that God puts in my life, we, we were starting up our first uh, small group years ago, about a dozen to 13 years ago, first small group in history, all right? And, um, and there was about three or four being launched. It was the first one I was a part of. Let me reword that. The first one I was a part of, and it was Nick Lambert and I. Nick and I were like, okay, let's, let's launch a group. I was working at the fire department. At the time, he was a corrections officer, and uh, I don't think he was a police officer yet. But at any rate, we're like, let's start this group. And we're thinking we're going to reach public servants. We're like, okay, we'll get some firemen, get some police officers, get some corrections officers, some deputies. You know, let's launch this group. And guess what the Lord brought us? 
he brought us these amazing men that had all been arrested several times who were crack addicts, heroin addicts, drunks. And we had a group of about 30 guys within a year who all had been in the prison system. Why? Because God was actually using our platforms for those who we were reaching to actually bring in to disciple rather than the ones we thought we could reach. And, and to this day, like, I, I probably learned more with those 30 guys in ministry and life and, and wisdom and all these things than anybody else I've ever ministered to. Because they're teaching me life. They're teaching me to be real. They're teaching me what people really desire is authenticity and transparency and vulnerability. Why? Because they will sniff out a phony and a fake like that. They will sniff out if you're going to abandon them like that because they've already been abandoned. You know, they've lost trust with a lot of people in their life. So are we going to stick it through and actually walk out what we're preaching? You know, unconditional love and these things. And I, I tell you, I learn more from them and I continue to than, than anybody else really. You know, the street people. It's like, it's amazing. So it's saying, but yet yeah, each of us have this role. Each of us have this place. So in humility, I can come up here and say, man, I took communion today and somebody put communion in those baskets. I don't know who does that. But because of that, I got to take communion by myself this morning, you know? It's one of those things. Listen, I'm not crying because of communion. I do usually. But it's one of those things that everybody plays this role here. You being here today in this very seat that you're sitting in is playing a role that I can't play in your life. You as a mom, you as a grandma, you as a dad, you as a business owner. These roles that you play, it's, it's the body coming together, the band coming together up here. You have all these people on different instruments. There was a painter at the 9 a.m. There's these flags. Now listen, some of these people woke up at probably 6 this morning to drive here, to be here by 7.30, to, to, to do a sound check and be ready for the 9 a.m. service so that all of us can, can get into the throne room of heaven and see what the Lord's been doing in their hearts all week or month as they, as they process this set list and they begin to take it to the Father. And then this morning they're working out kinks and problems and issues, I would imagine. And then all of a sudden I get here and I just get to worship. Why? Because part of the body came together to bless us, to take us to Jesus. That's the body. Like, I don't care if your role is taking out the trash, or I don't care if your role is cleaning up that piece of trash that you see in the parking lot. Like, it doesn't matter. It all plays a significant part of the kingdom being advanced through each one of us. And when we humble ourselves, we can see the value in each one of those roles that me preaching the message today is actually not the most important thing. Jesus being glorified is the most important thing. And guess what? He's glorified by Leah when she cleans the toilets for all of us. Jesus is glorified when Rachel answers the phone or returns calls of people yelling and mad about something weird. <laughs> like, like, Jesus is glorified when we just begin to brag about Jesus in our services because we got impacted by God today. Jesus is glorified in all these things, so all of a sudden I get to humble myself to say, no, I'm not the most important thing there on Sunday. Nicole and I aren't the, aren't the most gracious, aren't the most uh, incredible, wise, smart leaders no, we get to be a part of a family that when we all come together, we have this beautiful buffet of all these carrion items, and you brought your sauce to the table because you belong. Jesus, he demonstrates this. Philippians 2.8 says this. I'm wrapping up. The band guys can come if, if you want to go that route. Philippians 2.8 says this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. Now, now listen, Jesus is our greatest example on earth. Right? He healed people. He raised the dead. He encouraged people. He loved people. He loved the lowly. 
He, he didn't think of himself as high, higher than anybody else. He says he didn't come to, to, to be served. He came to serve the world, right? Those are the things that Jesus was saying. He didn't, he didn't pick who was going to be at the well or, or the one caught in adultery. He didn't pick who was going to, to be healed by touching the hem of his garment. These were unclean people that he stopped his entire time in life and that day for to just bless. These were the lowly people. He humbled himself, and it says this. It says, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, you want to talk about the most, the most flattering form of humility. The most powerful form of humility was Jesus, the creator of the universe. You know, <laughs> the savior of the world. This is Jesus, like the king of kings, the almighty, Yahweh. Alpha and Omega, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty One. This is Jesus. And he comes down to the earth. He comes to the earth for you and I. And he didn't come in a palace. He didn't come like, like cruising in on the gold streets. Like Jesus came as a man, as a baby, in a manger, in a barn or a cave. Like this is who Jesus was. He came. So Jesus came so that you and I could have life and life abundantly. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And he came in as a child, and he came in as a human. He came in in humility. Gosh, he created everything. He's coming to save it. That's humility. Let me, let me finish up here. There's a lot of verses of instruction on humility. And if you're, if you're a note taker, I'll give you this. I'm not going to read them. But Proverbs goes on and, and continues in chapter 16, 18 through 21. You know, pride comes before destruction. You know, he resists the proud, but blesses the humble. You know, there's verses like this. Another one is James 4, 6. Here's what, here's what Paul says. Here's, here's where we are, I feel, right now. And I want to go here. Paul, you know, he's planted all these churches. He's the apostolic father. He's the, he's the a, a church planter, right? He's oversight of all these churches. He's leading all these churches. He's writing these letters. And here's his first couple lines, his first kind of heart of the first couple chapters of Philippians to the church. He says, Philippians 3, 12 through 13. Now this is humility. Now Paul, like, he's written like 80% of the New Testament. Like, this is Paul. Like, hero, Paul, Jesus. Okay, that's like in my world. Like, you got like a hero, somebody like natural life. Then you have like... You know, for me, it's like Paul and David, then Jesus. So, so you have Paul, and here's what he says. Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And it says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Now, now here's Paul. He's, he's saying, listen, I've not mastered this. I, I'm not coming to you from a place of, 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 of perfection. I'm coming to you in a place of process. And he says this. He says, forgetting what is behind and pressing forward for what is ahead. Now, here's the thing in humility. Humility allows us to be content where we are. Humility allows us to honor the past. And humility allows us to be hunger, hungry for the future. So, so in this, I get to honor the past and be thankful for where I came from. I get to be content and appreciate where I am, but in humility, I get to dream, not out of lack, not out of discontentment, but in humility, I get to look forward to what's to come and dream what's ahead. Why? Because I've tasted and seen that God's good. And in my humility, I hunger for more and I thirst for more because I've tasted and seen it's good. Listen, I look back. I've only been saved 13 years. 
Now, I've only been married, what, we're going on 16. Every anniversary now, since Jesus, and every time like those, those, those memory stones come up in Jesus, I look back, I'm like, man, what is the next 13 years gonna look like? I've come so far, you know, not even believing in God, being a heathen and a drunk and adulterer, to now, like, wow. And so here's where I land in humility. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Listen, he is the I am. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. But I get to look forward to where I'm going and humble myself to know there is much more to come. It says that he withholds nothing for those who seek him. So in the seeking, I get to humble myself to say, wow, there's more. There's the more of God. There's the more of my marriage. There's the more of fatherhood. There's the more of friendship. There's the more of brotherhood. And I get to press in to see what's ahead. Appreciate where I am and live in this moment and enjoy every single moment of it. But then be thankful for where I've come from and value that. Humble myself to value even the things I didn't do that was right, even the things I didn't agree with, even the things and the situations and the junk and the circumstances. I know that Genesis 50, 20 says what the enemy meant for destruction, God will use for good. We've all been through stuff. You all have a story. You've all been through some nice People have hurt you. Churches have hurt you. Church leadership has hurt you. Spouses have hurt you. Parents have hurt you. Loved ones, friends, best friends have hurt you. People have abandoned you. People have even abused you. But God, the enemy meant for destruction. I can't explain those things. I don't know why that happened. But God, but God, why don't you stand with me and then we're going to do some activation after I pray. Peter 5.6 It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I, think, I feel like that's already happened today. Like Nicole, brushing off those cares, putting on him. But here's what it says. The context of that Greek word actually means be God-reliant. Humble, hum, humble, humility there. Humble, the word actually comes from the root, which translates to become God-reliant. That's what I want to pray. And we become so God-reliant that we see ourselves the way he sees us. That we're not, we don't have a measuring stick and, and it doesn't lead to insecurities or insignificance. At the same time, it doesn't lead to apathy because we think we're better there. But also that we become so God-reliant that we humble ourselves to grow in Him and grow with each other. Because we again then get to see the value in each other. We get to see the goodness of Him and the goodness in each other. That's humility. <sighs> Just hold your hands out. God, I thank you for humility. God, I ask that we learn it the easy way and not the hard way. God, I pray that, just, just like my mom gave me advice, we can learn it the easy way or we can learn it the hard way. I pray right now that we learn humility the easy way. That we don't have to worry about pride before destruction and pride before the fall. But God, we humble ourselves before you, Lord. We humble ourselves before your throne. We humble ourselves at your feet, Jesus. And we just say, do your will. Do your will in our life. Grow us, Lord. Let us look on our, the inside of us. Let, us. let us examine ourselves before we examine others. God, let us, let us just want to grow and be open to, to your will in our life, your destiny, your purpose. Let us be filled with your spirit, Jesus. Let us continually grow. Let us be open to continually grow. In mind, will, emotion, spirit, soul, 
the body, God. Let us continually grow with more of you, with a hunger for more of you.